Welcome to the 11 Personnel Podcast, your favorite Rams podcast. I am your host, Jordan Rodrigue, and with me, as always, my fabulous co-host, Rich Hammond. Rich, how we doing? Ooh, um, you know, well, Merry Christmas, everybody. Uh, happy holidays <laughs> to you. Uh, what a, uh, you know, it's it's like, I feel for Rams fans. It's like Christmas morning. They've been looking at this package under the tree, you know, for a few days. Like got this playoff spot wrapped up, just ready to tear into it on on Sunday afternoon. And what ends up being in the box? Well, I don't. I don't think we're a family show. I don't. I don't think we could even say what what was in the box. But it definitely wasn't a playoff berth, <laughs> Jordan. So uh, obviously, we're talking about a uh, shocking uh, loss to the New York Jets on Sunday afternoon, Jordan. You were there. I know we have a lot to talk about with this game, but what were your takeaways or what's the what's the thing you were thinking about on the on the drive home after uh, after watching that debacle? You know, I could not even believe what I had just witnessed. I couldn't believe what I had just watched. And and I wrote a column. And let me tell you guys, when whenever I was thinking about this yesterday, I was like, I wonder if Rams fans have ever wondered about this. And if not, I'm going to tell you anyway. So this was a terrible game. This was a 23-20 loss to the winless, then winless New York Jets, the same New York Jets who've basically been handing opponents games in the hunt for Trevor Lawrence. Now, players and coaches, let me reiterate, players and coaches do not tank, okay? Well, you can make an argument for Greg Williams, but mostly players, players and coaches do not tank, especially players. It is such a disrespectful thing in their minds to even conceptualize tanking, but general managers and especially team owners tank. Okay. So there's where the disconnect has been with the jets all year. Well, on Sunday, this young, um, roster came out and just played their butts off and played like a team completely with their back against the wall with nothing to lose. And the Rams were asleep and sloppy and kept beating themselves over and over and over again in pretty much every way you can imagine, except for missing field goals, by the way, <laughs> which we'll get to, um, and and lost this game. And it was embarrassing, and they should be embarrassed. But I, I want people to know, too, it's such an interesting dynamic because you're up there in the press box and you're just, like, horrified that this is happening and shocked. And you cover a team without bias, or you try to. Like, you cover the good moments, and you cover the bad moments, and you try to put the same energy in your approach with with everything, right? Well, this was, like, unfathomable, right? This is just unfathomable. I thought this would have been a blowout in the first half, and I am certainly absorbing all of the you were wrong mentions that I'm getting, and that's fine. I accept it. I was wrong. I think most of us, if not all of us, were wrong because I thought this was going to be a blowout. When I have to write a negative column, especially after a game like this where the Rams totally beat themselves, they didn't even get beat. This was not like the Buffalo comeback attempt where you could actually kind of be proud of that loss. This is like you you served this game up on a platter to the one of the worst teams um, overall that this league has seen in many, many years <laughs> and and just gave this game to them. When I have to write a negative column, I actually cannot sleep. I sit on my chair in my living room. I sit 
and I try to get my adrenaline to, to slow down and to sky down and I try to get my heart to slow down, but I cannot sleep. I am so, it is so hard to write a negative or critical column and I can openly admit that like I am a, I'm a wreck after I have to cr- write a critical column because I, I really respect what, what these guys do. But yes, I had to write the critical column after this game and, and so basically, I, I was up until probably about four in the morning, and what I was doing, and you guys don't know this because I've been, I haven't been resp- been responding to him like I normally do because everyone I get it is just venting, but I just sat up and I was drinking a glass of wine very slowly, and I was just reading comments <laughs> <laughs> because it wasn't, you know, I, I wanted to get a sense for how people were feeling, and, and it wasn't directed toward me, and I appreciate that, by the way, but it was like just comments about what people were taking away from this game. And then I went back and I watched some tape and like, I just can't sleep when I have to write a critical column. And so, um, you know, a player, a former player came out this week from another team and said, as a player, he didn't realize how much it also sucked for media to cover a loss. (laughs) It does suck. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, uh, it must be nice to be a nice person, Jordan. What's it like? (laughs) Really? (laughs) (laughs) Rich, Rich, I saw you throwing out stats and sleeping sound. You probably were sleeping. Oh sound yeah, yeah. I got no bed. problem at all. I really don't. <laughs> I, I no. But you, you, your point is is very well taken. It's it's not um, it's not that you cheer for wins and losses, but uh, yeah, you, you do have a respect. And I and I think the thing is, Jordan, for uh, my my perspective on it is, you always want to make sure you're being accurate. I, I don't have a problem going after people. Uh, I, I just I want to be fair and I want to be accurate and and I should say and I'm sure everybody agrees with this you always are um, in in your analysis and everything else you put a lot of thought into it and a lot of time into it so everything that you write um, is very fair I, I don't have a problem going after people or or certain situations but you you do want to be right about it and it is hard especially when you watch a game live. Uh, like you do, and, and you're writing off of it that day, you don't really have a lot of time. You don't have time to go back and rewatch it two times. You don't really have time to talk to the people, especially. <laughs> you do if you don't sleep. <laughs> <laughs> but we can't go in the locker room, no. so you don't even have yeah, that opportunity right. to kind of go around yeah. and be like, hey, what happened on that play? Or, you know, whose responsibility was that? You don't even have that option. So that that is part of it that kind of makes me a little bit uncomfortable. It's just like you, if, if you take somebody to task, you take a team to task, you, you want to make sure you, you've got the right stuff you know you want to make sure you're 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 on the right track yeah. with, with what you're saying so I, I definitely understand uh the sentiment there but but yeah, but yeah Jordan I, I thought your column was uh, on on those grounds was extraordinarily fair and and spot on just in terms of detailing all the ways that the Rams probably could have written about a thousand more words uh just on some of the ways that <laughs> the things went wrong from the offense to the penalties to uh even the special teams, the defense. I know we're going to talk about all of these things, but uh, yeah. Jordan, I, I, I'm afraid to, to start myself. So, so <laughs> where, where, where do you want to start? Where, what, what should be our first topic of discussion? You know, I think we need to start. So, so as if hopefully you guys read my column at theathletic.com, and then our columnist for the Athletic Los Angeles, Molly Knight, also wrote a great column that's also up there. Um, I sort of said it was a little bit of Rams therapy because. We just, you know, I think collectively as people who observed that game just needed to take a second and actually process what had just happened. And so in my column, you know, it it was not one or two things or even three things or four or five. It was like 
every way that they could hand the game over, like I said, other than missing field goals, that they did it. Turnovers, penalties, missed tackles, inability to get off the field on one one really long drive on third down and then a couple of crucial third downs late in the stretch. Um, uh, I said penalties already. Um, you know, poor quarterback play at times, an interception, um, questionable play calls, and and – God, I can't wait to unpack those too. But I think we need to start with the defense because one thing, Rich, I think that this defense under Brandon Staley, so first of all, the the third downs were atrocious. That that first series where they allowed four third down conversions on one drive and the final one was a touchdown and they only – converted seven third downs through the entire game. And so really, if your offense is not scoring points, you, you know, that, that first drive, that's really, that put them in the hole. That was really, really a crucial, crucial situation. One of the issues I I have is, so we know that not every position group on this defense is, is like superstar quality. Like we know that the defensive line is among the best in the league. We know that the secondary is among the best in the league, but what the Rams have had to do, and especially with injuries to their inside linebacker position, is they've had to sort of mask the issues in the middle of the field. They've done that by adding extra safeties to the equation. And so when teams try to stretch like a Troy Reader, who should not be stretched horizontally in space against a running back or a, or a faster catch-and-run receiver like Debo Samuel, for example, you, you have to have a safety coming down to help and support in the perimeter. And the Rams obviously are missing now Terrell Burgess, who's injured. They are missing who, who would have come in as an extra safety. They're missing Taylor Rapp, who is injured, who would have come in as an extra safety. And now they're missing Nick Scott, who has been playing his butt off before going on the COVID reserve list because a teammate tested positive and he was a close contact. So they did not have sort of those tools that helped them mask issues in the in the middle of the field. And you really saw that because immediately that first third down where Troy Reader missed the tackle. And, you know, Troy Reader came back and had a good game, had a great pass breakup um, on the goal line and helped hold the Jets to a field goal in a sudden change situation. And and so, you know, but this really, this, this first missed tackle on third down that allowed the conversion um, was really crucial because he got stretched wider than he – is able to play and it's not a knock on him. He's just better in shorter space. He's better when he's going downhill. He's even had some great, a couple of great pass breakups in the last couple of weeks. But when you stretch him as wide as, as the jets did, and then you're also using emotion, which the jets also did. And we'll get to that in a minute too. You like it, you're asking him now to play outside of himself. And that's something that Brandon Staley's defense had not previously really been asking their players to do. They were always able to scheme to ask players to play within themselves as parts to a whole. And because you're missing some personnel now, and then also you're failing to recognize and acknowledge some of those motions, and then you're you're also failing to communicate that, that's that's a huge problem. And that's where you saw finally, you know, where this defense can have some weaknesses if they don't fix that. Yeah, every team's going to have depth issues. And that was one of my issues going back. I mean, I'm not going to do too much backseat driving here, but you go back to the offseason and they didn't do a lot to, well, they didn't do really anything to upgrade that that inside linebacker position. 
you know, thinking at the time that they had everything that they needed internally. Well, that was even in a best case scenario, that was a that was a kind of a tenuous bet. And then to have some injuries, well, then you just said it perfectly, Jordan, you're relying on guys who might normally not be in those situations and you're relying on to do things that they don't normally do. And and when you have uh, again, you're, you can talk about the winless Jets, but they're, they're still trying to win football games and they're still looking for things to exploit and, and they found some things there. So I'm glad you started with the defense, Jordan, because, you know, a lot of people, and I know we're going to talk a lot about Jared Goff and Sean McVay and the offensive line and <laughs> penalties and everything else under the sun. But, you know, even if you take away, look, there were a couple short fields, right, where the where the Jets get a couple field goals off of a block punt and, and a turnover, but they still allowed... Wow, if you would have said going in that that the Rams would even allow two long touchdown drives like they did at the start of the first quarter and the start of the third quarter, I don't think anybody would have believed that. Even that, this is a Jets team that had scored 10 or fewer points in seven of their first 13 games. This is a team that, that in more than half of their games did not even get to 14 points. Uh, against teams that were a lot less stout than than the Rams were on defense. So that was a real big surprise to me, Jordan, especially the way they opened up the third quarter because I thought, well, they're going to get this figured out. You know, some of the things that we're talking about here, they're going to figure out these coverages. These they'll, they'll make these adjustments like they have all year, right? I mean, that's been a staple of, of this defense is, is making those adjustments. And then what happens? The Jets get the ball to start the third quarter. 72 yard touchdown drive and then they get it back Mm -hmm. and they end up kicking a field goal but they make it all the way down to the Rams three it was second goal at the the three yard line easily could have been another touchdown there so they did get it figured out a little bit in the in the second half which put the Rams in position uh, to to almost pull off that comeback but yeah the the communication breakdowns Jordan also you know you can talk about the linebackers but a lot of Maybe some handoff stuff with the with the with the DBs and the linebackers, just things that we're not really accustomed at all to seeing from these Rams. Yeah, something I had a huge issue with was things that the secondary normally is very good at um, were very problematic, and diagnosing the motions that the Jets were using, um, they weren't doing anything the Rams haven't seen, and and really, like I said. In previous podcasts, the Rams also pattern match, so there really is no excuse for not being able to diagnose some of these motions. But you can even see, so you know, there's a couple plays, a couple of 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 key chunk yardage plays, and I'm thinking one in particular on that that third quarter drive where um, you can see the indecision on the motion. So you have a receiver or running back coming across in motion and like in this example, it was, I believe Troy Hill who started coming across and then stopped halfway and, and stood pat. Well, the ball ended up going to the motion player and there was nobody in coverage. So Jordan Fuller has to come down. And then it looks like Jordan Fuller is giving too much of a cushion when that's not actually the right. case. It should have been somebody else's person. Like at that point, either Troy Hill is supposed to travel all the way over and cover on the perimeter or, is supposed to switch with someone on the inside and that player is supposed to come over, right? So it's really was a example of miscommunication that I have not seen a lot of from that Rams secondary. And those motion plays hurt them on a couple of that. That one I believe was, was a second down, but those there was a couple of third downs and, and the one that I pointed out that kept that drive going in the first quarter. They could have gotten off the field in that first quarter if, if not for that missed tackle. But again, you, you know, Troy Reader 
misses the tackle, but it, but also is sort of set up to fail in that scenario as well. Because again, you know, I know we we want you know we talk about inside linebacker depth and whatever, but the the Rams once Brandon Staley came in and says here here's the here are the ways you you will never have to pay an inside linebacker because you're going to have enough really good safeties. And Brandon Staley is a secondary coach at his roots, and he says, hey, we've got some really good safeties on this roster, so you actually don't need to ask your linebackers to do too much because we're going to bring a safety down to help and use him as a hybrid player all the time. But then all of a sudden, you know, now you're thin at at inside linebacker, okay, but you already knew that. You knew you would right. be, and you you sort of planned for that. But then at the same time, you maybe didn't plan to be so very thin at safety because you had an a plethora and and a, and more than you mo- more than most teams would carry right. <laughs> on your roster. And the reason you had that, and and it was a smart at the time, you know, it's smart planning. But then you also don't factor in, you know, one of them's going to be a close contact for a guy who tests positive for for COVID nineteen, and you don't expect one of them to hurt his ankle. You don't expect your th- a third one to hurt his knee. And then now all of a sudden you're, you're facing a serious issue and the jets exploited that on those plays. And especially then now your, your communication is all, um, is all screwy. And, and you, you definitely see that on a couple of those plays. And while, you know, those plays did not decide the game by any means, because you still, it's still extremely embarrassing that the Rams were not able to score but three points in the first half and then, you know, sort of mounted the most wobbly comeback I've seen <laughs> in many years. Um, you know, that's still, it's still not acceptable. But those inability to diagnose, those miscommunications, and then those those areas where normally you would have help, um, now you, you're asking players to come outside of themselves to, to make a stop. That's not what Brandon Staley's defense is about. And the other thing is Nick Scott, the absence of Nick Scott, um, and I really feel for him because obviously this is not his fault. Like these guys just, this is just, this is league protocol. This is the world that we're in right now. And I really feel for him because he was crucial. Missing him was crucial. If Nick Scott's in the game, I don't think that they make that third down conversion. The drive stops and then the Rams get the ball back and you can basically reset the game 0-0, right? And, and and that's huge. But and then later on, the punts block. Nick Scott's the protector. Right. Nick Scott is like one of the best special t- teams players in the league, and he's the protector. And so you know, instead, the protector gets blown up. The punt gets blocked. It's a turnover, short field, field goal. Now you're looking at twenty three twenty. You know, ultimately twenty three twenty instead of twenty twenty, right? Or some formulation of the three point differential. Um, through that space. And and it's not for lack of the the defense played super well on those sudden change, but there were just one or two little threads that the Jets were able to pick on pretty consistently on those longer drives. And and that made such a huge difference. Yeah, I mean it was it was shocking to see. I mean you could see it right away. I mean the, the third third you go go through them on that first drive, third and five, little swing pass to Ty Johnson doesn't get picked up first down. Third and four, that was a running play. Uh, Frank Gore gets uh, five yards. Third and one, again, another swing pad or dump. I don't know what it was, but he hit Ty Johnson, who was wide open, for for a six-yard pass. And then third and five from the Rams, 18, again, finds Ty Johnson. These these were not plays that Sam Darnold was making down the field. It's not like he was picking apart this Rams secondary. It was he was extending plays sometimes, which Sam Darnold can do. And then a lot of times he was just – 
they, they did a nice job, especially early on with, with Ty Johnson, like you said, either bringing him in motion or kind of hiding him behind the line there for a second and, and waiting for those linebackers to uh, the, the DBs to make a mistake or follow the wrong guy. And then they just kind of snuck him out there and, and hit him. So it, it was it was shocking to see live to, just because you weren't you weren't used to seeing that. So, yeah, I don't again, I, I, I totally understand what what Staley's you know, thoughts are, especially with the linebackers. I just. And I'm not I'm not going to relitigate the draft, but I, I just think you, if you pick a guy up who, who kind of has those coverage skills a little bit more, uh, then then maybe it helps here. Maybe then then you don't have to worry about getting exposed or, or getting guys in, in bad spots. So I, I think if I could go back and, and redo the Rams draft, that, that's one thing I, I would do. Maybe the main thing I would do, and, and I'm still a little bit surprised that that, that didn't happen. But again, it doesn't. It, that that's not why these these plays broke down. There was clearly some communication issues, and and like you said, Jordan, you know, injuries and and not having those guys who who can typically make those plays, uh, it it hurts. And look, the the Jets made they made good plays too. I mean, they were well designed plays, and Sam Darnold read them well and and executed them. So you have to give them a little bit of credit too. But I think we were both just shocked to see uh, you know, the Rams make those mistakes on things that they're so usually very good at. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Yeah, and, and we can like relitigate the draft for probably hours. And I, I'll still probably be in the camp of, of believing that you didn't need to necessarily pull the trigger on an inside linebacker. You thought Traven Howard was going to be healthy. Yeah. He unfortunately got injured. You um, thought Micah Kaiser was going to be healthy through the year. You also knew that you had so many talented safeties to and you've been, you've been um, showed by your new defensive coordinator, how you can scheme out of uh, putting too much pressure on your weakest defensive position and instead capitalizing on your stronger defensive positions, being your secondary and your defensive line. Sure. So I still don't believe that, that you would have needed to do that. But, but, and then you also would have, God, I'm going down a rabbit hole now. You, you also would like, if you get a inside linebacker in the third round, you're not getting cam Akers, right. Or, who, That's you know, true. you're not getting Van Jack. These guys who are going to be really important in the future. Like you're not, you're, you have to always make a trade off. You, you aren't getting Jordan Fuller. If you pick a linebacker in the sixth round. Jordan Fuller is going to be like a 10 year pro for them. So I, we can like, maybe this April, we're going to do a huge mega episode of all of the little threads we can <laughs> down the line because now I'm going down a rabbit hole. Right. But anyway, I, di- I digress. So Rich, it was so uncharacteristic and you're right. That's a great way to put it because it, it was just stuff that was weird. You're just not used to seeing it. And then all of a sudden you just start feeling like, holy crap, could this happen? Right. Right. Could, could this happen? And then, and then the turnovers. Let's talk. I mean, we we have talked about the defense, and and again, I, I want to give them credit for their ability on those sudden change situations. That's the hardest thing to do, right. just the hardest thing to do. And they they played, you know, to hold them to field goals both times on sudden change. I mean, yeah, it's the Jets, but again, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. that game was so weird, you know. So I, I think that was really outstanding effort on on those. 
Um, but but the turnovers, Rich. Oh my goodness gracious! <laughs> yeah, I mean, we can look. I, I know we're probably going to talk a lot about Jared Goff, and and I, you know, you know how I am on Twitter. I can't uh, stop a good a good uh, <laughs> back and forth, it's- but. And then you just go to sleep. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah, let the, I just start the fire and then let everybody else argue about it uh, overnight. So, and I to log back on and see what I missed. Um, but uh, yeah, look, I, I'm I'm gonna don't people don't don't think it, this is gonna be entirely anti Jared Goff from me because I I have some thoughts about the way things went later in the game. But that interception he threw was awful. And he should have had a second one on that ball that got tipped. And then I, I think it was Gerald Everett who ended up making that, that really good catch. Um, that, that also was not a good throw. It was a very athletic play by that defender, whoever it was, but uh, was, was, not a, was not a good throw. Um, so, I, look, Jared made some bad decisions there and, and got away with them. Um, and then the punts, I, I believe. I didn't even remember, Jordan. I had somebody DM me on Twitter. I... I guess Johnny Hecker had one blocked in in that game against Carolina, the season opener last year. I had absolutely no memory of that. Somebody asked me if if uh, he'd ever had one blocked when he was in L.A. and my instinct was to say no, he hadn't. But apparently he did. That's, that's Colin Jones. Did it? Okay, so you remember <laughs> this? Okay, all right. Future future special teams coach of some team, Colin Jones. Okay, yeah. was it clean? Do you remember it? Because I have no memory. I don't remember okay. it. I don't remember it, but I remember uh, I remember typing because uh, Colin Jones was kind of like a running. Uh, he wasn't a running joke. The fact that he was a special teams ace and like they would never play him at say an actual safety. Like this is not a Nick Scott situation. Like Nick Scott could come in and and has come in and played really good safety for the Rams in the in the extra defensive back package. Colin Jones like you just don't you just don't put him at safety. He is going to be playing on special teams. He would run fakes, he would do all this stuff for the Rams. <laughs> But oh my God, you, you shield your eyes if he has to go in at safety for whatever reason. So that was kind of the longest running joke. And so I remember that play because I remember uh, typing Colin Expletive Jones. So nice. <laughs> I remember that in my mess in my little Slack conversations with my beat partner at the time. But yeah, that was that was a uh, uh, I do remember that it was like something like no punt blocks in 120 attempts yeah. for uh for Johnny Hecker. And, and that was his only one uh, that one in Carolina was his only one since 2014. So he went basically six years, six plus years uh, with one. And, and then, and then this one was just totally clean. I mean, this was not Johnny Hecker. It was, it wasn't like he bobbled the ball or, you know, held, held onto it for too long or something. I mean, that was, that was a clean uh, block and you're just not accustomed to seeing that from the Rams. And again, I think goes back to some of the special teams issues. We talked about it last week or maybe two weeks ago, uh, how these things just kind of keep popping up. And and this was another one, but Jordan, like you said, Nick Scott, not being there. I mean, that's a crucial, crucial uh, player in that, in that position, but wow. I mean, this is where the, you know, the game started to get away. It's like Mm -hmm. all the jets are looking for is a puncher's chance. Right. And then they get the blocked punt and they turn that into three points and the Rams get it back and, Jared Goff throws a terrible interception and they get three points out of that and they're up 13 to nothing. It could have been much worse. It could have been 21, uh, but they start feeling like they've got a chance and the Rams start standing there on the sidelines like, what's going on here? This is, you know, we're supposed to be like resting by now and, and instead we're down by 13 to the New York Jets. Yeah, there was some weird body language to me. I think, you know, it was... 
I don't, because we're in a glass, and I know this is one of your pet peeves, we're in a glass enclosed press box. So you can't hear if there's a things happening down on the sideline, like you can't hear. And and sometimes even, even with the crowd in an open air press box, you're better able to gauge what the energy level is on the sideline. But it was like, people just seemed astounded, I would say. And that was up in the box too. We, yeah. I mean, everyone up there was like, is this really happening right now? This is, the, this was the largest lead. I, I have it. I retweeted it. Pro football reference had it out. Um, it was like the largest lead the Jets have had in a game since 2000, uh, I think 2019, like back deep in 2019. And, or maybe if it's even earlier that I'd have to look it up, but mm-hmm. like, it just, it was really, this had not happened. I mean, and we all know that this had not happened. This, this is the, it was so lopsided in fact, in the Jets favor. I, I was like, am I, am I just going to wake up all of a sudden and be, you know, wake up in my bed and <laughs> sit up and say, okay, it's game day, time to go to the stadium and have like a groundhog day situation. I mean, my goodness, it was weird. Yeah. And, and I don't know what you do at that point because your 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 offense is just going three and out, three and out, three and out. You're not getting anything going on the ground. Um, you're you're not make at a certain point you're making poor decision decisions with the football. And I agree with you. I don't think this game you can't blame this game on Jared Goff. Uh-oh. He was a part of a part of it. <laughs> <laughs> what do you oh, mean? Oh, people! Oh, gonna, don't go on Twitter, Jordan. Gonna, don't. Am I going to? Oh, don't go on Twitter. Don't go on. Am I going to hear yes. it? Well, Jared okay, Goff is worse than T.J. Rubley if in some circles of the uh, of the uh, Rams universe. But no, go, go ahead. And, and it was just ever like like and and I have blamed Jared when I feel like it's Jared's fault on thing on in certain games like Miami. Oh my goodness gracious! But okay, so this game, I mean, yeah, the pick was horrible, like you said, um, but but on on as a whole. There were so many issues just everywhere. Yes. Penalties. I mean, they on their se- I believe it was their second series. They had a a holding or was it a it was either a false start or holding. I, I know you have your notes in, in front of yeah, you, Rich. And and it was jo- yeah, and Joe Noteboom gets called. And so then they're backed up. So now you're in short yardage. And and then at some point you just kind of give up your third down by running a draw and like all this stuff right. that's just like, are you guys even here? Are you awake today? <laughs> Who Who's got the smelling salts on the sideline? How can we triple those up? Like, <laughs> where, where, it, where is the energy? Where is the like the the Jets were literally trying to just punch their way out of a corner, and they just had nothing to lose. Yeah, literally nothing to lose. Right. I, I, I think you look. I mean, I'm, I'm half joking there, but yeah, people look. I, I, you're not going to hear me say that Jared Goff had a good game. He did not have a good game. But no. you can put him in the in the basket of things that went wrong. It's all just a big crap bucket. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, it's not like a not like an Easter bucket, but a big crap bucket. That's that's what it was. <laughs> um, and you can you, he he deserves to be on that list. He absolutely should be on that list. But but there are so many other things that went wrong in this game too. If Jared Goff had played a perfect game, I'm, I'm still not convinced they would have won this game. They certainly wouldn't have won it running away. 
uh, because so many other things went wrong. The offensive line, I don't, I don't think did a very good job. And beyond the the penalties, that were there were several of them that were that were killers, uh, runs that got called back because of a hold. Uh, the the holding penalties that that you talked about on pass plays. I mean, this was not. They got it going a little bit in the fourth quarter, especially with the the run uh, protection. They 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 got it moving a little bit. But I, I oh, I got a bone to pick with that too. Rich. Late late in the game. Oh. Uh-oh. No, in the third in the third quarter when they started to finally get some drives together. But go ahead, yeah, got a bone to pick. <laughs> okay. Well, I, yeah, I definitely want to get to the to the second half stuff. But yeah, it, there's there's so many things uh, across the board, and uh, it it just you know, and then Jared makes his own mistakes, and and things just spiral. So it was one of those things where I just I'm sorry, I I can't sit there. And say that I, I, I'm going to say that Jared Goff is the reason that they lost that game. I just I I'm sorry if you believe that that's fine. I'm not saying you're a bad person or you don't know anything about football. We just <laughs> we just happen to disagree. I just happen to see too many other things that that went wrong that contributed to the uh, that were that were contributions to to the basket of crap. Bucket. Uh, yeah. Okay. Does it, does it happen? The bucket of crap. You know, a basket would be, you know. <laughs> a basket has uh, like woven, it's woven. So you, you got to worry about springing a leak yeah, at that you're, point. Yeah, right. Bucket would be better. You yeah. probably want one of those like Home Depot buckets. Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe like a, a full a full garbage bin because of how much <laughs> yeah, crap. Was, yeah, there was the a bucket. lot there. There was a lot to haul. Yeah. Yeah. It was a collective crap bucket it effort. It was. <laughs> um, yeah. So so then you get to halftime and, and they're, they've got a field goal. Which, good for Matt Gay. I mean, <laughs> yeah, great kick. Someone, someone said this to me on Twitter. Someone said, "Well, Jordan, at least we're not talking about about uh, missing kicks or changing kickers." Right. I was like, you know what? I like your attitude. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> <laughs> one thing down. I was like you know, one yeah. down. I was like, well, at least they got that fixed. Right. <laughs> it couldn't. It could couldn't still be a, a clean special right. teams Can't game. Can't punt of now, course. but uh, yeah. can make field goals. So yeah. good God. Yeah. But good for Matt Gay. He he was on with us uh, this morning and, and we were talking about how, um, you know, it, it's just so weird because he's he's making kicks in, in nearly complete si- silence. And now, um, unlike other years when there's a crowd screaming their head off to try to distract him and then a kicker can actually that's actually not doesn't really affect the kicker. He can just kind of go in a tunnel because the noise becomes almost like white noise. But now. These defensive linemen who are trying to line up to block the kick, they're just like yelling stuff at him <laughs> and he can and he can hear it now. So he was talking about how weird it is and um and how when you're when he's in silence, uh he has to actually repeat a word to himself over and over and over again to sort of simulate that crowd noise and that white noise. And I asked him what it was and he was like, Well, I can't tell you because then the other defensive linemen will start screaming that at wow, me. Wow, that's a great <laughs> so, point. Yeah, I know. And I was like, "Oh man, good point, Matt. Yeah. Good point." But anyway, so th- th- good for him. He's probably going to be sticking around. The, you know, he's got a. He's probably he'll, he'll get a tender from the Rams if he keeps kicking well and and all that. So anyway, they're down. They've got three points at the half. This is one of those really rare uh, scenarios where we're now calculating McVeigh's record when he's losing at halftime. Uh, and held without a first half touchdown. All losses this year, by the way, when the Rams have been held without a first half touchdown. Oh and three. Oh and three. You are correct. Um, and and so that's the weird. Now everything's so weird. We're like, okay, well, there's still another half to play. This team's been pretty good at adjusting. Now 
you know, what what are they going to come out and do? Well, the answer to that is not much. Yeah, that was the one that surprised me the the most, Jordan, because I thought, okay, you know, even though the Jets are getting the ball back first here, the the Rams are going to figure this out. They're they're going to you know get it back to the offense, and then things will get rolling. It didn't seem like you know after Matt Gay makes that kick, they're only down by ten points at halftime to the Jets, right? You think like that's this is this is still a piece of cake. They're going to, and that's I I even asked on Twitter, Rams fans, like, oh Rams fans, what do you think the final score is going to be? And I think I I didn't count them all, but I'm going to say nine out of 10 of them said the Rams were going to win because that's what I thought was mm-hmm. going to happen too. I thought, okay, Jets are going to get the ball here. The Rams are going to have this figured out. They're going to, it's going to be a three and out, or maybe they'll punt from the 40 and you know, the Rams will, will, will get it moving and they'll score. And then what happens is they, they come out and drive 72 yards and, and mix it up very nicely with the, with the run in the pass, even though they weren't really moving the ball on the ground all that well, but they, they mixed it up and, and, and made some big plays and, and all of a sudden, uh, they take almost seven minutes off the clock and they're up 20 to three. And then, so you're looking at it and it's like, wow, the third quarter is almost halfway over now. And the Rams are down by 17. That was, that was just shocking to me. It was stunning. And this is also what we talked about at the beginning where some of the motion plays were really hurting them. This is when you really started to see um, down on the field, the reactions after plays. So on that drive, on that long jets drive to open the third quarter. So they are, now able to bite off a couple of of longer passing plays. Um, there was a 21-yard pass, and then there was also a 22-yard pass, and that really helped them set up shorter yards um, for Frank Gore to run on sort of those shorter yardage downs. And this is when you're starting to see, and then also on that, uh, there's a second down pass for 11 yards that I had mentioned before that where I, that was, I think, the one where, where um, Hill was starting to come over and then stopped. Yeah. So those those things were really, really killer because that's when you start to see in the third quarter, there's some frustration, there's some miscommunication. Players are talking to each other um, and, and gesturing to each other after plays. Now, I'm not saying there was like arguments or anything like right. that, but it was clear miscommunications. Like clearly, this is not the same team that would go into the halftime or go into the locker room at halftime and come out and kick the door down defensively on somebody and score score a defensive touchdown and and adjust and and limit scoring to, you know, such a tiny number that they had all season. This was something completely different yeah. that these guys were doing and especially when on that drive multiple mistakes in a row again cannot get off the field on a short run on third down on that third and two, but the the yardage they they had a, the one that was killer was that second and 13 that set up the third yeah. and two. Again, you can get off the field on that drive if you just have your guy coming over and nobody came over. And so then that's an 11-yard gain. It sets up a two-yard run for Frank Gore. He gets three. And then then they follow it up with a deep pass. And and then you you just cannot get off the field, and now you're on your heels. And, and when they talk about what a defense is struggling when they're on their heels and holding accountable – this is exactly what they're talking about. Yeah. And usually, you know, when the Rams offense is actually working like it's supposed to, this is what they do to people. Oh, absolutely. But it was absolutely. sort of, it was being done to them. Yeah. No, absolutely. And uh, look, I'll credit Sam Darnold too. I mean, this guy's taken a lot of, uh, a lot of hits of, <laughs> metaphorically and, and physically. He's, he's taken some blows, uh, but he hung in there and, and made some really good plays. I mean, there were times when, it looked like he was kind of dead to rights there and he was about to get sacked and he would spin out of it and, and, you know, 
make you know extend the play with his feet and and make a play down the field. So you know USC fans, I covered Sam a little bit at, at USC and used to, accustomed to seeing him make those plays, and he has that skill set. and And they did a nice job at times of you know turning some what looked to be busted plays in, into some plays down the field. So I thought Sam did a a nice job there. But yeah, it's just that was the big one, Jordan, because from then what happened was the Rams' offense got going. I mean, they scored touchdowns on their next two drives, but they were so far behind the eight ball at that mm-hmm. point. Again, you're down by 17 midway through the third quarter, and you pretty much have to be perfect from from then on out. And and they certainly were were far from perfect. One thing that really bugged me and of a long list, I'm sure, that bugged many people who are watching this game. One thing, though, that actually really did bug me quite a bit that I think Sean McVay had an understandable answer to in his post-game press conference, but it still bothered me. In the third quarter, that's when they really started, you could really tell they were going heavier 12 personnel. Right. In the third quarter, Mm -hmm. all of their tight ends were active on Sunday. All of them. So... That's notable because Gerald Everett had to leave the game at one point and get evaluated and then cleared from the you evaluated for a concussion and then cleared. But you can't use that as a reason why you're not going 12 because all of your tight ends are active, all of them. And you don't go into 12 personnel really as notably in terms of really, really heavy and then targeting your tight ends and then really using that for heavier helping Cam Akers. And and then you start seeing it, 11-yard run Cam Akers um, to the left side where he's been really successful, especially when you've stacked your blockers on that side in 12 personnel. And you start seeing it. and But it's not till the third quarter and the Rams are down 20 to three. And part of that, Sean McVay, I thought that was a, a fine explanation. He he just said, we just kept going three and out. We could not even start changing our groupings up because it it it, it sort of comes in in its own um timing. Like you you go, you you convert a couple of third downs out of eleven, right. and then you can go into twelve. That's kind of how they had sort of clearly planned this game. Well, you, they, they, he just said, we just couldn't. It wasn't, it wasn't a matter of not, not getting into it. We just couldn't get into it. And so it's not till the third quarter that they're started u- starting to use the thing that has been working for them over the last two weeks or so. And, you know, it, it just was really that, that, that was something that bugged me because it was clearly like, okay, now you're, it, it was just this, and you could explain it away and that's fine, but it's almost like this feeling of, you're waiting until now to wake up. Right. Like that doesn't cut the mustard. No, it really know? doesn't. I understand what Sean is saying, but that that's sure. also a little bit of a crutch for him, if we're gonna be honest. He's this is right. this has been a thing in the past with him too. Well, we just didn't get enough plays. We didn't get our okay, but you can it's okay to do it on first down. You can you can put a, a guys in twelve personnel and, and try to run the ball on first down and see what happens. Maybe something good will happen. It's you know, it's within the realm of possibility. Um, so yeah, that's that's really frustrating, Jordan. And and again, I I, I have no idea what the, the communication is like on the sidelines. And and I'm not going to you know make judgments uh, based on things that you know conversations that I'm not a party to. But but when you see it happen and you see it have success, I think it's only natural to say, well, why why did it take this long? Why didn't somebody put their heads together in the in the middle of the first quarter or the start of the second quarter and say, hey, you know what, we we had a plan. Uh, it's just not working. 
and we yeah. need to we need to make adjustments right now. And and I think Rams fans and and Rams fans, no, I I think Sean McVay has done a fantastic job. I'm not I'm not being uh, critical across the board, but I, I think he, even Rams fans who, who think he's done a fantastic job will say that's been one of his weaknesses over over the years. Is is that ability uh, or ability slash willingness, whatever whatever it might be, to to make those quick adjustments during a game when it's pretty clear that your game plan is not working? So this is not entirely new from from Sean and and from this offensive uh, staff or, or what have you, but. Uh, yeah, you you can see the difference. You don't have to be a coach to to see the, the the difference when they when they started doing more of that. So yeah, that that was striking to me too, Jordan. But uh, can can we can we talk about my favorite sequence too? I don't, I don't know if you have anything else to talk about the third quarter, but uh, I definitely want to get into the fourth quarter. I would love to talk about your favorite oh, sequence, Rich. Boy. Okay, all right. <laughs> I can hear your paper shuffling. Yes, I, too. I have my notes. Yeah. I, I brought notes. Yes. <laughs> Um, so, okay. I, I, Jordan, I want you to, I I actively mean this. I want you to interrupt me when you think I've said something wrong. Okay. Or based, based on your understanding or based on, you know, your, your, uh, you know, your knowledge of the situation. Okay. So the scenario is the Rams are trailing 23 to 20. It's third down and six. Uh, excuse me. It's third down and four. From the New York uh, 37. There's plenty of time left. I'm not sure exactly. I think there's about five minutes left somewhere around there. Okay. It's third and four from the New York 40, uh, 37-yard line. Even with my notes, I can't get this right. This is how worked up I am about it. Four minutes and five seconds Thank you. Left. 405. Okay. Yeah. The play that is called from Sean McVay, based on my understanding, the the first read is the play that was made, which was a pass to Cam Akers deep down the left sideline. Um, first of all, I don't like throwing the ball there. You had been running the ball well. Cam Akers' previous two carries, even though one of them got called back, uh, the previous one was for 22 yards. It got called back on a, on a block in the back by Tyler Higby. Really didn't influence the play that much. It, it it maybe was even a borderline penalty. So it's not like that sprung Cam Akers for a 22-yard run. It was a good run. I would have run the ball there. Regardless, let's throw that out, okay? Uh, it's a third and four. Jared makes that read and throws that ball. I thought it was both a bad call and a bad decision by Jared. Uh, yes. Okay. And it can be both guys. Yes. This is the, I'm so <laughs> glad you said that. Right. It, it is though. Right. Because what, what, if, if Jared, and again, I'm not looking at it right now. I don't know what the protection was like, but he made that throw pretty quick. Uh, and, and I think if he goes through his progression a little bit, he finds, he finds a better option there. Doesn't he? He admitted he would have liked to go through his progression. He had, he had a, at least another half second to a whole second. I went, I was crouched over a laptop in the press box post game, watching this over and over and over again with Eric Williams from SI. And he absolutely could have held onto the ball and gone through his progression, but threw instead a 
And I'm going to let, you know what? I'm going to let you finish, Rich. So <laughs> you go ahead. Well, it just to me, like as soon as the ball went yeah. in the air and I saw where Cam Akers was and how he was being defended, I thought this play has no chance. Like, I mean, even in, I'm not even sure even if it was the perfect throw that that it would have been a complete pass. I don't know what Jared was seeing there that that made him think, uh, I guess, just the coverage and, and a confidence in, in Cam Akers. But as soon as I saw the ball in the air and I saw where the route was headed, I thought this, there's no chance on this play. It looks like it looked like a you know last second kind of heave uh, that that had no chance. So I, I did not like the play call there, nor did I like no. the execution uh, by 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 Jared Goff. Yeah, I would have I would have run the ball there. Okay, just agreeing with you, I would have run the ball on that third down, keeping in mind that the Rams were already had already decided. Now, I confirmed this with, with Matt Gay this morning. I asked him this directly. At that point, the, it had already been decided, this is four-down territory for us no matter what. So your downs on third and fourth, you're not, you're not going to send your kicker out. So your downs on third and fourth have to complement each other. Okay? So, yes, I would have run the ball. We, we can not just assume, but we know that Sean McVay was operating in four-down territory at that time. Okay? So... Your third down has to at least help your fourth down. It has to, it, 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 in a perfect world, it converts. Right. But it has to at least help or complement in some way your fourth down in a worst case scenario, right? Absolutely. So the other thing is, I know why that, I know why that read is there for Jared. It looked like his first read, but you shouldn't go there. And I know why that play design put that route there for Cam Akers, and it's because that play is on tape as something that works against Miami mm. in the in the latter part of the game. That that play is on tape a couple games later, yeah. and it works. Right. And so you know that the Jets have seen this on tape, so you design that play to Cam down the sideline. You design it into your offense, and that's how you stretch and get your and get your matchup over there so you can single another guy in the middle. Right. And that's what happened. Right. There was a guy coming loose in the middle of the field in some of these higher high low concepts. The lows were coming were coming open. And so Jared and Sean both said after the game that on that play you you should progress through the down a little bit more. I also hate the fact that you throw there because it is a it is a low probability play even if it's a receiver at best it's a 50 50 play at best on a deep shot 20 plus yards 15 plus yards downfield percentage wise through years and years of league-wide data and we talked about this last week it is a low probability play at best you are 50 50 And that's a receiver with strong hands right. who is ma- is a good matchup for the the defender. Right. That's Cooper Cup. Throwing a to 50-50 a, ball for Cooper Cup. Yeah. Right. You instead you're throwing to a running back, which lowers your probability based on height differential alone. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And then based on the fact that he is not catching a lot of balls. So you're continuing to lower your probability of of completing that pass and making that throw. And and instead, now, and you have higher probability options designed into the play, but you're not progressing through the, through the down. Now, I also think, again, like I agree with you, Rich, because I think it's both. I don't like that that was called, and then I don't like 
the decisions that followed after the play got sent in. I, I, I agree. Um, and to me, you talk about the complimentary, you know, play calling and you, you spelled this out very well in, in your column that you, as you mentioned, is online, the athletic on the app on the website. So everybody should uh, read that for kind of a, a, a very nicely uh, written detailed version of this. But to me, if you hand the ball off to cam makers, what, what is the, what's the slightly pessimistic thing that happens there? He gains two yards, let's say, then you've got fourth and two which is a much different scenario. Like you said, maybe maybe he picks up the first down, maybe he gets three yards. But to me, it's like, even if you get relatively stuffed and you get two yards, okay, then you're in fourth and two, and then you're, you're a little bit harder to defend. There's more things that you can do in that situation. So they don't do that. They, they, they call a pass play that neither one of us really like and, and don't think it was executed very well. So then you get to fourth and four, okay? This one, based on my understanding, and again, Please interrupt me if I'm wrong. My understanding is that was the play call. They got the look that they wanted. They got the matchup that they wanted. They made the throw that they wanted. And it got broken up. It was a very nice play by the by the corner on the play. Uh, that's that's it, right? I mean, that was that was the play that they wanted. That's not something that Jared looked at and went, oh, I think I'm going to chuck it up. To, to Gerald Everett here just for the heck of it. Uh, that's what they were looking for, as I understand it. I do not accept that. Okay, great. I'm glad. <laughs> no, what, what? I, no, I accept your presentation oh, of it. Oh. What, you, well, what you're saying is fine. <laughs> what you're saying is fine. That's That's everything they said. We got the coverage we wanted. We got the look we wanted. That's the throw I wanted. I was happy with the throw. It was just a great play. I do not accept that logic and processing. I don't think that that's the play that you should, you need to reframe what you want. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. Like, first of all, first and foremost, yes, yes. And we've covered this so many times on this podcast. Yes, it was the right decision to go for fourth down. It increased their game winning chance, according to Edge Sports, by almost 3% going for it instead of settling for the field goal. Matt Gay had not attempted a 50 plus field goal. Um, for them yet. He was five for eight last year on them. So they don't, they didn't really know. They didn't know if that was going to be um, automatic for them, right, right? right? What what you know is that you could probably gain four yards and you're in a situation where you'd like to win this damn ball game. And at this point, why are you framed? Why is that the play you want? No, no. That's what I have an issue with. I, I you know, sure you can say that maybe – you know, I saw some people who were like, Gerald should have, you know, contested it more. Mm. Okay, m- maybe, whatever. But yeah. like, really, like, you, it's again, it's kind of what we talked about just on the other side. Y- you set, you got to set up your players to do what they do well. Gerald Everett could have taken and just completely run over some folks on his way to four yards. Right. Like, he could have caught a short ball right. and just and gotten the yak. Any one of your receivers could have gotten th- that yak. Yeah. If, if you had to. And then the underneath concepts were also there. Cooper Cup was coming open on an underneath route. And uh, Sean McVay went out of his way to mention that as well, which is, again, as we were huddled over this laptop, you're seeing that. You're seeing Robert Woods, who uh, I think had a, had a right to maybe be a little bit frustrated in some of these situations, if, if he was. And and you know what? Like, I, I, I don't accept that that's what you want to do. On four yards, I don't accept that that's what you want. No, 
no, it's it was a terrible, it's a terrible play call, and that, that's where I go. You know, getting back and forth with people on Twitter, like you, you have to look at these individually. Like it, that's that's that was the call, and I I just thought it was a terrible call. And you can look at well, maybe Jared should have put a little more air under, maybe he should have done this. Okay, but like let's not lose the forest from the trees here. That was a terrible call on fourth down. Like it, it can start there. Like there's so many other things. You have Cooper Cup, you have Robert Woods, you have Tyler Higby who can make plays. I mean, any like you said, one of the running backs. I mean, that was your play call on on fourth down. I just I I was baffled by that. And maybe you think, hey, it's okay. If you don't like the matchup with Gerald, or if you don't think you can lead him on the throw, or if you feel like he doesn't have the right leverage or whatever you see as you kind of go through this play in the in the you know milliseconds that you're diagnosing things, then you now have you have options designed underneath across the sticks that can get you the four yards. Right. That can get you that. And but but this was like it was like there's no question. This is what I'm doing. This is what we like. This is what the call is. And so this is why I think it's both. Because if you if you fail in that way where you're not progressing through the down into your other options, even though you do, you have the ability to do it, but then you're still being set up to take that low probability risk play or that low probability high risk play. Right. And that's still like you're still being presented with that option. It's like yeah. It's like when I it's like when I uh accidentally like leave food out, like I leave a sandwich out on my coffee table and I go get the mail. Of course the dog's going to eat the damn sandwich. <laughs> like yeah. I mean god, yeah. I just you have to I, that's the thing. I that's what bothers me. So it's right. it's it's when you when you look at these as a as a whole, when you look at these both of these calls as a as a whole, they should have complemented each other because you know you're going into four down territory. So yeah, that's I think one of the biggest issues here. They should have complemented each other. But then even though you you because you are a really smart offensive guy and you have a quarterback who can execute these throws when when he has time and you have all of these different options with all of these different guys who can do like 17 different things and then fly the plane home. Like right. you really you have all of these options and that's what you pick. Yeah, that's what got me. Yeah. And again, you can say he could have gone through the progression. I I totally agree. I thought the fourth down call, I mean, look, looking at it from from Jared's I, again, I thought the third down throw was terrible. Like I, I you don't you don't make that throw. The fourth down, he almost had that, by the way. I sure. mean, that was a yeah. very athletic breakup. I mean, if if that if that C B doesn't doesn't I'm sorry, I can't I don't have his name in front of me, but um, if he if he doesn't time that, uh, I believe it was May who who was actually a safety, I think who. Um, yeah, Marcus. Marcus May. May yeah. yeah, who I mean, if he doesn't time that perfectly, I think Gerald Everett catches that ball and scores a touchdown. So yeah. that one I can almost understand where Jared's looking at and going, okay, I, I like this matchup. I think I can make this throw. And again, it was if that same play, uh, you know, uh, un, if you replay that play ten times, they probably get a touchdown on like seven of those. If we're if we're going to be honest, um, so I, I didn't hate the execution there. I still didn't like the play call. I still would not. It, ten times out of ten, I still would not make that play call. Uh, but but I think Jared has the opportunity to, to to make a play there, and that's probably what he was seeing when he got to the line of scrimmage. So I don't I don't fault him terribly on that. I, I just I don't no. like the call 
um, at all. So uh, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, and when I say and when I say like reframing what you want, I'm saying both Sean and Jerry. Oh, yeah. Like yeah, I'm not just saying that's on Jerry. I also think though, I I would think and you would hope because they've designed much of their offense offense to go around and to revolve around higher efficiency and higher probability plays. It was really odd to see that completely go out the window on those third and four and fourth and four calls, because you, I don't, I don't, if I'm a play caller in that situation and I'm like, holy shit, the jets might beat me. Yeah. Right. I'm sitting there, I'm sitting there and I'm saying, what is my most, what are my automatic plays? And yeah, I know it, it, Coverage dictates some things, but you have designed more automatic plays within that concept. No, no question. What are yeah. what are my more automatic plays? What are my valves here? Like what what can I do to better complement this situation? And and of course, yes, they're saying they got the coverage they wanted. Okay, that's great. But you still went for the low probability play, the play that said that we all sit there. And and week in and week out, every team in the league, and you have people that sit there and say, "Oh, almost had it, right? Almost had it. That would have been that would have been great if it worked." That is always, almost always, the in a description of a low probability play. Yeah, a- absolutely. That, and it's a play that you look at at the time too. I mean, that the turnover on downs there happens with three fifty four left. I mean, those are the kind of play calls that you make. It's if you've got forty seconds left and you don't have any timeouts, and you know, okay, then you can understand it. Like we got to we got to get a touchdown here. We got to get a chunk uh, play, but not not when there's that much time left. You could have easily just okay. We let's just get this. Let's just get these four yards and let's let's move on. We'll get it to the thirty-three or thirty-two. We still got a ton of time left on the clock. Um, you know we're doing okay. We'll we'll get closer to field goal range if need be, and then that's fine. No need. You didn't need a oh. touchdown there. Yeah. Oh, and get this. Mm-hmm. This is what really killed me. I didn't even put this in the column because I was like, I'm going <laughs> to need a tums if I put this in the column. So I was looking at the next gen chart. So Jared Goff attempted three plays of fifteen plus yards. Right. Yeah. Uh, three of them, one of them was an interception and then the other two were those incompletions. Those are the only throws. Those are the only times that he threw quote unquote deep. Yeah. Yeah. Just didn't look comfortable either. And again, I, this is where, uh, again, I, I've been, I know I've been putting some, some heat on McVay and I know I was on Twitter too, but yeah, Jared just had another one of those games where you can just tell again, I, I say this all year, but it's, it's so obvious to me when you look at him, he just does not look comfortable. And the, the other thing that I, that I saw, I haven't really had time to go back. I want to watch the all 22 is they, they, the Rams did at times attempt to, to roll him out. You know, it's kind of the, the Jared Goff comfort food, you know, to, to roll him out and kind of get him going, but the Jets did a nice job. I, I don't know exactly how their coverage is rolled on, on those things, but um, he did not have time even when he he rolled out. He didn't have time to make those plays uh, that he normally did. So I don't know whether they were doing something different or whether there was just a breakdown there, but even the things that, uh, you know, that the McVay can usually kind of go to that, okay, let's calm Jared down a little bit here. Let's, let's just, you know, again, go for some comfort plays. Um, they just weren't there. And uh, so I, you know, credit the Jets for that a, a little bit too. Uh, but yeah, he just, he, he didn't look, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say again, started, I'm not going to sit here and argue with people and say, oh, Jared Goff had a good game. He, he did not have a good game. I mean, 22 of 34, 209, uh, he gets, uh, throws the interception, which was awful. 
Um, it's sacked three times, and and the one that that got uh, uh, reviewed and was turned into a sack. Um, you know, again, you got to get rid of the ball. You can't you can't hang yeah. in there. You've got to have that pocket awareness. So it, it was not a good game from him at all. But I'm just <laughs> we'll go back where we started. You're not going to convince me that that he was the the main reason or certainly not the sole reason uh, that they lost that game. There's a long, if you're going to have people line up, it's, it's going to be a long line of, uh, of yeah. blame. That's for sure. Yeah. And then uh, just to correct, to correct myself, my earlier stat too, this is kind of what I mean when I say like coach, if you're an efficient team, like they profess to be and they, they are in so many phases, but just completely were not in so many ways on both sides of the ball um, uh, on Sunday you are not again like what we said just said about the defense you're not asking your players to go outside of themselves you're not asking you're scheming in ways that that you can succeed within your structure and if everyone's succeeding within their structure that wins you football games because everything's clicking in a rhythm right well that's very much the Jared Goff experience right mm-hmm. so but but i'm looking at the uh, now i have his chart pulled up and so 20 plus this is a 20 plus yards play the only two times, the only two attempts of 20 plus yards were on those two fades. And, and right. so you didn't attempt that at any other point in the game. You didn't get your touch going. You didn't get a feel for it. You, that's your lowest probability play in your arsenal and you're throwing it in a crucial game situation. Yeah. Game on the yeah. line, down three points, four yards to gain. You haven't done, you haven't thrown that ball and I could go back and I probably count on, uh, you know, five fingers, maybe six or seven, the, the completions on that ball in the last several weeks. Right. And you have not thrown that ball one time during this game, but now you just, you decide this, this is what we're going to do with four yards to gain. We're going to go 20 plus yards Yeah, and, yeah. and, and incomplete both, you know, incompletions both times. So yeah. that's, that's where, but, but it's like what you said, it's like, okay, but it's, it's, it's both. It's everything. It's not just one, it's not one person. It's no. not like, you know, you're, it's not like Sean McVay's like sitting on Jared's shoulders, holding his head and preventing him physically from looking to his right in his progression, <laughs> right. you know, right. like it's, but it's also not like Jared's calling the plays for the game, right. you know? So it's right. like, it, it's, it's just everything. And then on the defensive side too, and we, we can't, we cannot go through this. And, and I know you mentioned it, but that Austin Corbett hold was an absolute killer because yeah. it took away points and it took away go-ahead points. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it would have been an 18-yard touchdown run by Cam Akers there midway through the uh, through the third quarter. And yeah, it would have given the Rams uh, the lead there. And I, I, I'm convinced if they would have scored a touchdown there, uh, the Rams defense had been doing a good job. And, and again, they did hold the Jets. The Jets didn't score any more points uh, for the rest of the game. So Rams defense did their job in the in the fourth quarter. But yeah, that that was a killer. And and then, of course, the, the one that we mentioned uh, earlier, you know, a, a, that that set up these two plays that we've been talking about for the last two hours here. But the Tyler Higby block in the back, if, if that doesn't happen, that's a 22 yard run by Cam Akers. And it, it takes it down to the 17 yard line. Um, so then it's a whole different, then you're pretty much guaranteed at least to tie the game. 
and you'd be got a pretty good chance of, of scoring the go-ahead touchdown too. So you have two. I know, I, you know, I saw people on Twitter. Oh, they were two bad calls. Yeah, they were. They were. They were probably fifty-fifty calls. But uh, the the Corbett one, he definitely got his hand outside. I think that was they showed it on the replay. Yeah, are right. there are there twenty plays in a game like that where a guy gets his hand outside? Yeah, there probably are. Uh, but again, if the ref happens to see that one, then you're you're going to get flagged. So yeah, I mean, there's. There's two plays right there. One took points off the board directly, and the other one uh, indirectly because they would have been in the red zone if, if not for that block in the back. So that, that absolutely contributes. So the Rams, in losing this game, entering this game, they could have clinched a playoff spot. Now they have not clinched. I know there's some, some questions floating around on on Twitter because um, there was some misinformation about, about, oh, well, they actually did clinch based on some other records. But um, uh, what other teams did, but no, they have not yet clinched yeah. a playoff spot. And so now it's coming down to, um, like the simplest way to look at it <laughs> because there's a bunch of math involved and, you know, as we all know, that's my strong suit, but, um, it, you have to, you just have to win out, just win out seriously. I mean, yeah. like that's just the easiest way to look at it because, um, you, then you get into strength of schedule and tiebreakers and things like that. And the Rams of course have shot themselves in the foot multiple times this year. So you really want to just, just, just win out. Yeah. And it's, it's still there. Look, I mean, as it sits now, Seattle 10 and four, the Rams nine and five, Arizona eight and six, uh, the Rams going to have a very tough game up in Seattle on Sunday, but if they should win that game, uh, then both teams are at 10 and five and, and the Rams have beaten the Seahawks twice. So they're right where they want to be uh, and going into the last week against Arizona. But all these teams are going to be super motivated. That's the thing. I mean, Seattle with one more win. Uh, they get to eleven and four, and and they've they've got the division. Uh, Arizona's hanging there at, at eight and six. I, I think they're looking pretty good, but uh, they're by no means are they are they locked in. A team like uh, Chicago is still sitting there at at seven and seven, and could theoretically give them uh, some problems. So all these teams are, are really motivated, and then there's just the idea of the Rams got to get a good feeling back. I mean, this is a a real kick in the gut to, to lose to the New York Jets, and you don't want to. You don't want to have another loss going into the playoff. You certainly don't want to have two losses and, and back your way in. So uh, not only do they need do they need the wins to potentially get back on top of that division, but uh, they they got to get some momentum here and, and start to turn things in the right direction because this is not the game you want to have uh, in in late December. Yes, and I completely agree with you. And and it's going to be. I mean, this is like one of those real like sour. Like you are now in history. <laughs> for the wrong reason, (laughs) sour taste in in your mouth. And, and, um, you know, I I really hate to end this podcast on a negative because Rich, you just, you know me, I'm an optimist and and maybe annoyingly so at times, but I think, um, I think we should end on a couple positives. And, and one of the things that I do want to shout out is a couple of players, um, that maybe are lesser heralded because they're playing with Aaron Donald, um, on the defensive line. Michael Brockers and Leonard Floyd as a tandem, particularly against the run, yeah. outstanding. Yeah. Just outstanding. Michael Brockers was doing everything he could early on to set the tone defensively. And, you know, they just kept making those mistakes on third down in that first drive. But that was not for lack of effort from, from the old veteran Michael Brockers. And then that stand on third down against Frank Gore – You've got a combined age of like a hundred, all trying to move bodies. Frank Gore, Leonard Floyd, and Michael Brockers all just 
just clashing against each other. And yeah. Leonard Floyd, just a superhuman effort. Yeah. Um, someone on Twitter, Benjamin Solak, so on Twitter referred to it as um, that scene in Game of Thrones with Hodor holding the door. <laughs> that was what Leonard Floyd was doing against Frank Gore. And I wish I could take credit for that analogy because that's great. But it, it just was just outstanding. Leonard yeah. Floyd has just been um, just so good for the Rams. And then I also wanted to shout out Sebastian Joseph Day as well. And may, I'll let you maybe get a couple of guys on the offensive side, Rich, or, or special teams. But, you know, Sebastian Joseph Day has just improved week by week. Um, he and Morgan Fox, I think, have just been playing really well in their limited snaps. And that's something that's so key on this defensive line is when you can you can take Aaron out every couple of snaps to spell him and then not worry about what happens to you during those downs. And you can mix up your fronts and your rotations. And and I just really have been impressed with how those two have come along. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I really think that's where the focus should be. I mean, I, I think I, I always look at a guy like Robert Woods and I think no matter what he does, he's still underrated. Um, I so know. Uh, it's a, I thought he had another great game, but yeah. I felt for him. He was open a lot. I know. And he, he deserved, <laughs> he deserved a lot more than, than he got from that game. I, I, I think is a good way to put it. So yeah, the, but those two that you can't understate, I mean, Leonard Floyd, I mean, he's, he, he, you know, he was at a pretty low, let's be honest, in, in his career, not not unlike uh, what Dante Fowler did when, when he came into the Rams in 2018. And I think the Rams had a similar mindset with those guys and full marks to Leonard Floyd for, for coming in. And sometimes it's just a change of scenery, some whatever it might be. But uh, some guys, it, it just clicks or you get a little bit older, you just get a little more experienced. And uh, I'm sure there's a lot of Chicago Bears fans watching this going, who is this guy? Like, why, why couldn't we get this guy? So full marks to him for, for, for doing that. And Michael Brockers, we'll just end there. Yeah, this is a guy who, you know, I think a lot of Rams, or I don't want to say a lot, but some Rams fans last year kind of went, oh, Michael Brockers, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't get the sacks. You know, we don't see the splash plays. But, you know, you, you watch a game and just, just watch him and the things that he does and, and being able to get him back. Uh, and, and even, you know, a little bit of a discount even after his deal with, with Baltimore fell through, boy, you, you just can't underestimate what, what he brings to that front and, and also to that locker room too. So yeah, two, two great guys to, to shout out there. Yeah, definitely. And, and, um, also kudos to coach Eric Henderson for just really being like such a, such a, um, heartbeat and a pulse for that group. And, and that's a that's a lot of personality in one room. I mean, you've got Aaron Donald, Michael Brockers, Ashawn Robinson. You know, you've got Sebastian yeah. Joseph Day, Morgan Fox, Greg Gaines. Um, you know, you just got just a lot of a lot of really really talented guys. And um, Eric Henderson's done a really nice job with that group this year. So, Rich, it's kind of crazy to think about. We have gone through so many months now of the 11 personnel podcast. And I got to tell you, I've just been enjoying every week, even on weeks like this, where we just have to talk about just the crap bucket. You know, I, I just think it's been, I think it's been so much fun and we can't, we really can't thank our listeners, subscribers, people who leave reviews and, and comments on our Apple podcast page. We really cannot thank you guys, thank you guys enough. And so we're really happy every week to remind you that if you subscribe <laughs> to the 11 personnel podcast via the Athletic Podcast page. If you subscribe to The Athletic via the 11 Personnel Podcast, Rich, what do you get? You get an amazing discount. Uh, Jordan's favorite thing in the entire world. And uh, I couldn't agree with you more, Jordan. I mean, you did, we're getting to the end. Well, we'll have one more 
uh, episode uh, of 2020. But I remember when we started this thing uh, at the start of the season and yeah, you know, the middle of the pandemic, we're still in the middle of the pandemic, but we just thought, you know what, if if this can just be a distraction, if, if we can have some fun and, and just, you know, to just forget about the problems for, for three hours a week and, and enjoy watching some football, then I think we'd consider that a win. And uh, so appreciative of uh, of everybody, certainly, first of all, our, our subscribers uh, who, who have hung with us uh, through through a really really weird time and uh, still give us a lot of encouragement. Uh, but but everybody everybody out there who listens, everybody even if I get into it with you on Twitter, please know that I that I appreciate you and uh, <laughs> that uh, I'm I'm very grateful to, that we can have those exchanges and that we can you know have something kind of normal uh, to to talk about and debate. So uh, but thanks everybody and uh, I certainly hope everybody has a great um, you know, Christmas if that's what you celebrate or if you uh, just a great holiday season in general. I, I hope everybody makes the most of it. And I hope that we all like Rich apparently is. I hope that we all sleep very soundly. Have a good one, guys. 